Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Texas State Armadillos are a little short on talent. Uh, show me the arms, son. Throw the ball, genius. How about that? He stinks at two sports. But Coach Riggs thinks he knows where to find it. I never saw anybody fire that football the way you did. Maybe you should stay here with all your high school trophies. I wonder just how great you might have been. Now Paul Blake is back to finish the season he started 16 years ago. I hope he gets younger as he gets closer. Whoa, a 40-year-old freshman? Yeah, maybe he knew Elvis. We're taught to respect our elders. Well, I'm not that old. Trying to win with raw talent won't be easy. Again! Because this is as raw as it gets. Once more, come on now. That's better. Will be the laughing stock of college football. Blow the whistle! Blow the whistle! What do you think we are now? It has to be your team. Hey, come on, you don't want to mess with us. We're nobodies. I want someone to be their leader, not to leave them behind. This Armadillo team is on a roll after last week's non loss. Nobody thinks a team of wannabes led by a has-been, can make it through the season. You guys got a hell of a lot of energy. Let's consider we lost by 40 points. Bumble-rooski. But the armadillos are taking it one game at a time. <laughs> That's what happened to wrestling, man. Women take over the sport, man. What we need to do is get crazy. <laughs> we need to get wild. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, little doggy, you about to get fixed. Necessary roughness. I've been waiting for you. You should be waiting for the guy to cut your hair. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Necessary Roughness from 1991. The studio was Paramount Pictures. The release date was September 27, 1991. The running time, 108 minutes. The rating was PG-13. Couldn't find the budget totals. However, the box office totals were $26 million, making it the 48th ranked movie of 1991. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 31% rotten from 29 reviews. However, Roger Ebert at the time did give it 3 out of 4 stars, and here is his review. I've seen versions of the plot of Necessary Roughness in almost every other movie ever made about an underdog sports team, but I fell for it again this time because it was well done and because the movie doesn't try to pump itself up more than it is. Good humored entertainment. The film tells the story of a college football team that faces its new season under an incredible handicap. Only actual, bona fide students will be allowed to play on the team. No recruited superstars, no future pros who will be coddled in no-brainer classes. No player with under-the-table financial aid from the booster club. 
just real students who try out for the team. This is a big come down for the Texas State Armadillos, who were last year's National College Football Champions before an investigation uncovered widespread corruption in the school's athletic program. The school had to give up its trophies and forfeited its victories, and for the new season, the only recruiting player will be a guy who spent all of his time on the bench. The Texas State president, Fred Dalton Thompson, can't even find anyone to lead the team until he has a brainstorm. He offers the job to a veteran coach named Gennaro, played by Hector Elizondo, who had just finished attacking the school's ethics on national television. Gennaro accepts, naturally, because in a movie like this, nobody is ever allowed to turn down a challenge. Gennaro hires an old pal named Rigondor, played by Robert Lugia, as his assistant. At first, they plan to divide up the offense and defense, but when only 17 students make the team, they decide it's time to return to Iron Man football. And they recruit players in unlikely places. A 34-year-old former Texas high school star, played by Scott Bakula, has never used his college eligibility, and he's drafted as a quarterback. A school astronomy professor, Sinbad, has a year of eligibility left, and he joins a team along with a kicker, Kathy Ireland, recruited from the women's soccer team. You can see this movie's plot unfolding a mile away. The ragbag collection of misfits will lose almost all of their games, but will they finally pull themselves together and win the big one? What do you think? And will there be a love affair between Bakula and the standoffish journalism professor, Harley Jane Kozak? All of these events are written in the stars. The movie assembled an offbeat group of supporting talent, including a lineman from Samoa, Peter Navy Tuiasopo, who makes the refrigerator look like an ice chest. Not so successful is Larry Miller as the anti-sports dean. His scenes play on a different note than the rest of the movie, and seems shoehorned in. But Elizondo and Legia, two veterans of many years and fine supporting work, seem to enjoy themselves playing the coaches. And as the armadillos creep towards greatness, necessary roughness generates a genuine charm. That's the end of Ebert's review. So I don't believe I saw this in the theater when it first came out. And honestly, I'm not sure why. Maybe because it wasn't a summertime film and I was just starting 8th grade at the time. In any case, I definitely saw it when it was released to video and I definitely enjoyed it. However, I sort of forgot about it until a few years later when The Replacements then came out. And it reminded me that there was a similar film, that being Necessary Roughness. And then it later ended up in my DVD collection because I couldn't beat the unbeatable price... Of $3 found it, Big Lots. Yes, if you're still into DVDs and, and you can find a Big Lots, you can get some great deals. All right, let's get into the main cast. You got Scott Bakula, who plays Paul Blake. And at this point in his career, Bakula was best known for his role on the really popular TV show Quantum Leap, which ran from 1989 to 1993. So they were looking to cash in on this popularity, and this was likely the reason he was picked to play the lead in this film. Plus, as we discover, he looks like a pretty good athlete. And this was uh, Scott Bakula's first major film role. Hector Elizondo uh, plays Ed Gennaro, and Elizondo had been acting in a number of character roles since the 1970s on both film and television, but his real break that he's still best known for was in 1990 when he played Barney, the hotel manager in Pretty Woman. And Elizondo continued to appear in movies and TV shows throughout the years and is currently a key part of the Tim Allen sitcom Last Man Standing. Robert Logia plays Wally Rigendorf, and like Elizondo, Logia was a top character actor who started his acting career in the 1950s. 
He was mostly a TV show character actor for you know most of his career until the 1980s, and then he started to appear in movies like Off An Officer and a Gentleman, Scarface, Pritzi's Honor, Jagged Edge, Over the Top, <laughs> and a very memorable role with Tom Hanks in Big. So if you remember the life-size keyboard on the floor of the toy store, that's Robert Lugia. Others uh, in the supporting cast that are pretty well known, of course, include Larry Miller, Sinbad, Fred Dalton Thompson, Rob Schneider, Jason Bateman, Kathy Ireland, and Harley Jane Kozak. The director was Stan Dragati, and you might remember Dragati if you listened to my Mr. Mom episode a few episodes back, as he was the director of that film as well. Other Dragati films include Love at First Bite with George Hamilton, The Man with the One Red Shoe that had Tom Hanks in it, and She's Out of Control with Tony Danza. All right, some quick backstory about the making of the film. Scott Bakula did actually play football in high school as a freshman, but he hung up his pads for acting and didn't even attempt to play the game in an organized fashion until this film. But as you can see, if you do watch this film, some people are just natural athletes, and it's something you can't really teach. Bakula is one of those people. So let's get right into the movie. So the movie starts with Paul Blake, that's Bakula. He's driving a tractor out in some, you know, field, and he drops a bag full of footballs, and he starts firing them at various targets throughout the field. Kind of think, you know, metal scarecrows with helmets and jerseys on them. And and Bakula certainly looks like he can throw a football, which is always my pet peeve with actors in sports movies. If you throw a football like a shot put, don't audition for the role. And as my dad always drilled into me, if you want to prove you're somewhat of an athlete, Let's see your throwing motion. If the throwing motion looks pathetic, then the tales of glory that every schmuck likes to claim when they were younger, that flies right out the window. We then cut to ESPN and Chris Berman, who was like the main face and voice of the network during the 80s and the 90s, and he's talking about the Texas State fighting armadillos, which is not really a school, uh, a real school or team. Texas State was once billed as the greatest college football team in history, and then there's a rash of scandals that hit the school. Include rec- they, they include recruiting violations, steroid usage, illegal payments to players, and grade tampering. Because of this, the entire roster and coaching staff were removed from the school. And again, this happens actually in real college sports as well. So the university president is Carver Purcell. That's Fred Dalton Thompson. And so he elects to hire Ed Straight Arrow Gennaro, and that's Hector uh, Elizondo. He's now the head coach. And so Gennaro always ran a clean school despite booster pressure, and he's really needed to get this team rebuilt. However, when a team has no scholarships or traditional recruiting options, then the coach has quite a task on their hands. However, he brings in a tough-as-nails defensive coach. That's Wally Rigendorf. That's Robert Logia. So tryouts begin in the school gym, and it's a typical sports trope where a lot of guys come in with no business even attempting to try out for an organized team. But since the roster basically needs warm bodies, everyone is considered. And only one player from the season prior uh, was allowed to make this team, and that is Charlie Banks, as he had never played a game, but he had heart, and he didn't take you know, bribes or, you know, he didn't have his his grades tampered with. So Coach Rigendorf decides to do some backwoods recruiting and he ends up on a cattle ranch and that's where he finds Paul Blake working. Blake was a high school phenom and he was recruited by Penn State, but he did not end up playing ball or going to college because his father uh, suddenly died and he decided to run, he decided to run the family business. And now, 
at this point, Blake is 34 years old. But because Blake never actually enrolled in college, he can now enroll and play as a freshman even at his advanced age. And it kind of sounds like they are replacements a few years later with Keanu Reeves, right? Anyway, so the dean of the university is Philip Elias, and that's played by Larry Miller. He doesn't think highly of sports or, you know, the waste of money and the resources that the sports team uh, do for this school. So he does his best to sabotage any potential recruits by making sure any player who is not grade eligible does not set foot on the field, no pun intended. So we get to see some of the on-field practice, and we see a very young Jason Bateman as Jarvis Edison, who seems to be getting a tryout since his family basically owns everything in town. You know, that being said, he doesn't come off as an entitled douche. Paul Blake ends up showing to practice to take Rigendorf up on his offer. Blake looks like the Marlboro Man with blue jeans, a cowboy hat, and a cigarette in his mouth. But Blake, as you would think, is a fish out of water because he's looking for his room in the dorm, and uh, he and he's much older than everyone else. He ends up being roommates with a giant Samoan named Manumana, who has an amazing late '80s mullet. The actor who plays Manumana is named Peter Navy Tuiasa who had never acted before, but he did appear in a David Lee Roth music video. Uh, But the casting director loved his look for this movie and uh, decided that he could work with him, even if it was a fairly large role for a first-time actor. So Blake impresses the coaches and players with his arm strength and his accuracy. The problem is that the rest of the team can't catch the ball or even block well enough to support him. For example, they have a track star who can run by everyone, but he can't catch the ball. This is actually a legit example, as many NFL teams in the past have tried signing uh, track and field stars, but with very little success. One being, uh, I remember back in the 80s, the 49ers had someone named Ronaldo Nehemiah, and it seemed like any time they threw deep, <laughs> the ball was never caught. So, anyway... In any case, this does lead to a funny scene where Featherstone, played by Dwayne Davis, does end up catching the ball, but only because Blake fires the ball so hard it sticks in Featherstone's face mask. So these practice scenes made me realize how much of the movie the replacements essentially borrowed or stole from Necessary Roughness. The only difference being is this is college and the replacements were pro. And I guess if you really want to get technical, it all started with The Longest Yard from 1974 with Burt Reynolds and crew. In any case, there's a martial arts expert named nicknamed Samurai who ends up doing martial arts on the field in lieu of tackling. Then you also have the predictable romance angle as Blake is smitten with one of his journalism professors named Dr. Suzanne Carter, that is Harley Jane Kozak. She got her degree at Harvard and worked at the Washington Post in the film. Since the roster is limited due to legitimate grade requirements, Coach Gennaro decides to go back to the real old school way of football, which is having players play both offense and defense. Today, this just seems crazy, but back then, it was, you know, way back when, it was fairly common during the early days of the sport. So now we get a blast to the past, and we get to see Sinbad, who is definitely a staple of TV back in the late 80s and early 90s. He plays Andre Krim, who is now a chemistry professor and was once a good ball player back in the day. But Blake decides uh, to recruit Sinbad, uh, or, you know, Andre Krim. <laughs> I see they're calling Sinbad. Uh, so he wants to improve the defensive line. Okay, Banks! Ready? Hot! <laughs> Come on, Banks! You're supposed to be hitting a sled, not humping a butterfly. I want you mean! I want you nasty! I want you to eat raw meat! Get your ass out of here! All right, next! 
Andre does not eat raw meat because Andre is a vegetarian. Eat whatever the hell you want, Andre. So the thing I remember most about this movie was the announcer for the team played by Rob Schneider. We get to hear his voice before and during every game. And there's a fun fact. Schneider is a barrier guy who adores the San Francisco Giants, just like your beloved host of Damn Good Movie Memories. So the first game starts with Rob Schneider describing the discrepancies between the two schools. You have Texas State's opponent who have a full traveling roster of over 100 players and 14,000 fans attending the game, while Texas State has a grand total of 17 players on the roster. So it's funny to see the game played back then, this is almost 30 years ago, where plays were called with hand signals or a player ran in with the play instead of the coach talking into a mic into the player's headset. These are good times. I much like it. It's, it's much better. So Schneider is the man of one-liners in this film. In this game, he drops in that Paul Blake is the only player in the roster who was alive when the Beatles were still together. So Blake ends up getting benched after the first offensive series because he decided to run a deep route instead of a third straight run play. A bit of peer pressure from the guys led to this audible. Featherstone actually beats the coverage and Blake threw a perfect deep ball, but of course, Featherstone dropped up the perfectly thrown pass. So Gennaro, wanting to show his authority as, uh, as head coach, therefore benches Blake. As predicted, the game is the disaster for Texas State, and they are demolished 65 to nothing. So Blake meets with Gennaro after the game to hash things out. Gennaro wants Blake to lead by example, and this means earning the player's respect. So in a true nod to the longest yard, the Dean sets up a scrimmage requested by the coaches of another team. This institution, as the Dean puts it, is actually a squad of jailed prisoners. This is where you get to see ex-football greats appearing for cameos like Dick Butkus and Jerry Rice, Ben Davidson, Tony Dorsett, Randy White, Ed Tutal Jones, Herschel Walker, Roger Craig, Jim Kelly, and Earl Campbell. And then they randomly just add ex-heavyweight boxing champion Evander Holyfield, because why not? These guys got a funny feeling about this. Don't worry, Wally. Dean Elias assured me that we're dealing with real sportsmen. How do you do? As loyal Armadillo fans, my colleagues and I are pleased to be able to help you in your time of need, and we look forward to a spirited workout. Gentlemen, this is your home field, so please take the ball. All right, Dillos, let's get it on! Yeah! Listen, guys, I want you to know something. I believe you're all innocent. I really mean that. I feel a lot of love on this field today. Hey, come on, you're offside. 
You know, I usually play tennis instead of football. Huh? Huh? What are you in for, anyway? Computer fraud. Ah. I don't feel so good. I think I swallowed a finger. The next six games for the team are an equal disaster as they now go to 0-7. But you get the memorable commentary from Rob Schneider to lighten up the mood during the losing montage. The Blake man pitches to Sarge. The Sarge sure bumps into his own man. It's a fumble. Fumbleia. Sarge Fumbleina Wilkerson fumbles the ball. Then you get the obligatory bonding of the team, and this, of course, is the tried and true trope of a good old fashioned bar brawl. Yes, it's played out, but it's great just the same. I'm gonna buy you a beer, okay? And we can forget this whole little incident ever happened. It's on me. <laughs> now it's on you. Guess you wanted a light beer, huh? <laughs> on second thought, maybe you'd better buy me a keg. Or better yet, put a spigot in that fat Buddha. <laughs> we were getting along so good, and you had to go and ruin it by insulting my center. My center. my throwing hand here. In addition to basically sucking at every position except quarterback, Coach Rigendorf decides to recruit a new kicker, one that is a great soccer player, but just not any soccer player, a female soccer player named Lucy, who just happens to be played by Kathy Ireland, the very hot and very famous swimsuit model of the early 90s. Any excuse to get her in a movie, it looks like, was what was happening back then. Her kicking form looks like a swimsuit model trying to kick a field goal. <laughs> so for the most part, the football skills of the other actors have been pretty good. For this case, this is where it takes uh, a turn simply for a pretty face. But hey, whatever, you know, this wasn't meant to win any awards movie-wise. Ooh-wee, Sarge, look at that. They're putting a bloody shield on the team. We'll be the laughing stock of college football. What do you think we are now? 
Okay, I'm ready. Let's try one. But... Manu! Slap me the ball! Snap the ball, dammit! Hello, Manu! Manu, hike me the ball! Hup. Relax, big guy. You've already got the job. Take it back ten yards. Oh, are you kidding me? Yo, man, see? That's the pressure TV, man. That's what happened to wrestling, man. Women take over the sport, man. How about taking it back ten yards? How long, how long was that? 40 yards. Now, can you believe that? I don't even drive that far. <laughs> She's got some foot. Yeah, it keeps getting better on the way up. Oh! Hey! Uh, Lucy, this is Manu. Nice to meet you, Manu. Hi. So now equipped with a new field goal kicker, it is time for the next game. This particular game uh, is the obligatory torrential downpour game. The kind of game that you see once every five years, but in sports movies, they happen a few times every season. In any case, the team actually plays a decent game and they have a chance to win. And of course, the game comes down to the new player, Kathy Ireland. Oh, get your ass in here! Oh, she did well in practice. Get her in there, He's a big guy. She might get hurt. What the hell are you talking about? But coach, come in. I can do it. You can't risk a pass, Ed. We got a kick. All right, go and watch yourself, young lady. All right. Come on, baby. Lucy Draper is the first woman football player in Armadillo history. You all right? Field goal on the snap. Ready? Break! Blake will spot the ball for a 34 yard try. All right, Miss, let's go. Come on, kid. Hey, Sugar! Don't get nervous. Is that the only way you can score? Shut up, or you will anger me. Yeah. Clock stopped with just three seconds left. There's time for just one last play. Yo, man, we tied! 
The tie, which is like a victory, brings the team together even more. Unfortunately for Lucy, it means the logistics of trying to shower after the game. However, the biggest guy on the team, Manu Mana, and he's also the nicest guy, is taking a liking to Lucy in kind of a grade school crush sort of way and queers out the shower for her. Some respect. I can't believe you guys. This is silly. I'm not gonna go halfway across campus just to take a shower. I'm an armadillo, just like the others. You're an armadillo, but not like the others. You're okay, Manu. Would you do me the honor of allowing me to escort you to Edison's party? All right. But just don't try to carry me in or anything. Okay. So Jason Bateman's father throws the team a party after their big tie <laughs> and uh, showers them with new gifts, uh, one being suede jackets. Unfortunately for a team on probation, this is not a good look and Coach Nero puts a stop to it. Blake, who is drunk after a tiff with his female friend, the journalism professor, lets Gennaro have it and decides to belligerently quit the team. How about a lift? Where you headed? Anywhere but here, huh? Let's go. Get yourself. You're on your own getting back. that station my dad owns it i don't ever want to see another building with his name on it <laughs> too bad you got midterms next week no i don't what do you think my dad's gonna do when he finds out someone's gonna flunk me huh what are you talking about you can keep it up okay haven't you yeah i mean i got two cheerleaders doing my homework oh. but i gotta take the test and when he finds out that i didn't pass He's just gonna buy me another grade, and you know what that could do to the team. Look, if you're sick of your old man covering for you, that's fine. You're just gonna have to drag your butt back there and work harder, that's all. You can't just walk away. Well, you did. How'd I wind up with Jiminy Cricket? Hey, hey, Paul, what are you doing? I told you I can't go back there, I've been cheating. Relax, maybe we'll both learn something. Paul, listen, this isn't gonna work. I've never passed anything on my own before. The damn library's got your name on it. It's about time you saw the inside of it. 
Meet your new tutor. Hi, homie. Andre? <laughs> Relax, Edison. I have programmed some interactive software that's gonna accelerate your learning curve by linking mnemonic memory aids with visual motor cues. Guys, I really don't know what to say about this. Say goodbye to the daylight. <laughs> Just keep thinking. The ball is my friend. The ball is my friend. The ball is my friend. Edison studying with Andre. We're gonna have to practice without him. You're not worried about Saturday? If he doesn't pass his midterms, he's out. And the rest of the team will do whatever it takes to back him up. We pull together, I figure Saturday will take care of itself. Take him out. It's your team, son. Go for it. So also, unfortunately, before the last game, Gennaro suffers what is probably a mild heart attack, meaning that Rigondorf has to then be the head coach for the final game. Dad, it's me. Wally Rigondorf. I know it's you. I'm not in a coma. I brought these for you. Oh, thank you. They're, they're lovely. Uh, just put them here, would you? <clears throat> I hope you don't mind. I had to charge them to your room. A little short this week. I understand. Would you sit down? I want to talk to you. I'm here, Ed. I'm here. You don't have to talk like I'm dying. I mean, they're just running some tests. They haven't found anything yet. It's wonderful news. I want you to have this, Wally. Your playbook. I don't know what to say here. I'll treasure it, always. I'm not bequeathing it to you, I'm just loaning it to you. You're coaching the team tonight. Me? No, come on. I'm just defense. No, you're ready, Wally. You've been ready for 20 years, I just haven't told you. To the kids, you're the team. I'm just a guy who hollers and kicks ass. They respect you, Wally. You can't bullshit kids. They see right through it. They know you're the real thing, and so do I. You can do it, Wally. Just be yourself. As with most final sports games and comedy films, the beginning usually never starts off well. Though, it was funny to see the prisoners show up to the game and sit in the stands to cheer on their team. Uh, and when the visiting side starts to cheer, they stand up and tell them to stop cheering. <laughs> The best scenes are actually with Logia and Elizondo, with a little Schneider thrown in. But the halftime pep talk by Logia is just terrific, and it is pretty hilarious. Now, let's analyze what's been working for us. Not a goddamn thing's been working for us. Like, this goddamn suit doesn't work for me. And this stinking tie, and this goddamn shirt, it doesn't work for me! You know how to play winning hard-nosed football? You play football like a Gennaro played football! A guy who gave his life for this football team! 
He was a 140 pound halfback, and he played like a goddamn wild man. No, like a goddamn rampaging beast. And that's the way you gotta do it. You go out there, you tear their fucking heads off, and you shit down their necks. Let us pray. So Coach Chenero is listening to the game in his hospital bed, sort of like Shooter, uh, Dennis Hopper did in Hoosiers. However, this is a comedy, and we discovered that the serious ailment was just indigestion, which is only fatal in Mexico, according to the doctor. All right, back to the game. Brown right, 22 oh, trap, man. They've seen the game films. They know you're never going to go to me, and I'm wide open. I'll catch it. Ball is my friend. Ball is my friend. Featherstones off to the races. Don't throw the stone He's wide open. But that's nothing new. Can he catch the ball? First of all, I want all the security guards here fired. But never mind that now. I've brought the books. I've regraded the exams. I was strict but fair. Time ticking down here in the third quarter. Armadillos have the ball again. All right, here we go. Split right, 28 sweep on two. Ready? Ready. This university is made for people like us. Not these guys. They don't belong here. Set! By the way, you're fired. So now that the Dean is out of the way, we go back to the game again. And by the way, normally I don't spoil the endings because it's more fun that way. But shit, you know what happens in these types of movies, so enjoy. You, baby, this is you! No, no, You must show us some respect. It's a seesaw battle. Neither offense can move. Colts driving now with the ball. Armadillos better stop him. Now, how could the ref call that? It was a clean kick to the face mask. Guys going in, shit. Of course, Texas State gets a chance to win. The Colts will be coming after the ball with everything they've got to try and block this kick. Blake takes a snap, sets the ball. No, he's up. It's a fake. I can't believe it. They're going for the win. Ooh. 
the Stones drawing double coverage. Blake can't find anyone to throw to. There's an open man in the end zone. It's Charlie Banks. And look, this movie isn't Friday Night Lights or even North Dallas 40, and actually it sort of reminds me of Wildcats with Goldie Hawn from the 1980s. But it's a fun popcorn movie that isn't nearly as bad as you might remember. So again, if you dig pro football or even college football or whatever football, check it out, have fun, ready, break. All right, lots of fun facts about Necessary Roughness. To get the scenes just right, Bakula said that Stan Dragati and stunt coordinator Alan Graff had the actors shooting football scenes until 5 a.m. And when they weren't running the same plays over and over again, they were out recruiting fans. So the armadillos weren't going to draw a lot of people with the ragtag walk-ons, but they still needed some fans in the stands. So the actors had to go out and, with the help of marketing, to bring in you know 12,000 people. And those lucky extras had a privilege of hanging out all night and in some scenes until 10 a.m. to be uh, set up and moved around just for certain scenes. So there's a great article about this film from the website Uproxx, and one of the more memorable stories is about the pro athletes in the film. So Peter Tuiasosopo, who plays Mano Mana, uh, he had this quote. So he's like, Dick Buckus is on top of me, beating the hell out of me. I'm big enough and strong enough, but it's funny. And these old guys, that weren't e- they weren't even holding back. And I'm looking at these other actors after every take. And after every take, I can hear them complaining. Does this guy know it's a movie? <laughs> so then Sinbad said, there was one actor who got frisky with Randy White, who used to play for the Dallas Cowboys, and Randy kind of tossed him. <laughs> And then he said something about Randy, you know, we're actors, you're supposed to take it easy on them, and it was one of the biggest actors we had, and I thought, "Uh uh-oh, but it was funny. So don't forget how strong these guys are. Uh, They held back, but the actors, uh, you know, Randy kind of showed them what it would be like if he didn't hold back and kind of threw them a bit. So you don't mess with, you know, pro football players, even if they've been retired for a while. So, you know, the so-called death penalty that Texas State dealt with was basically part on the same punishment that SMU received in 1987. So Forrest Gregg, who used to, it was a Hall of Fame line, uh, offensive lineman for the Green Bay Packers and also head coach, uh, I believe of the Cincinnati Bengals at one point, uh, was brought in to coach SMU in a similar fashion as the coach in Necessary Roughness. And some of the well-known players in the early 80s that went to SMU included running backs Eric Dickerson and Craig James. All right, so... Just by accident, we actually have the Grown Up Rock podcast this week doing the interviews about this movie. However, they were recorded separately, but who knew they liked the same movie? So Stephen Michael and Sonny Pooney uh, both appear separately. You know, they should have a podcast or something, I think. Anyway, so that's cool. So we get to talk to them about Necessary Roughness, and I will be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection. All right, we're back with Stephen Michael from the Grown Up Rock Podcast. How you doing, Stephen? Brian Davis, what's going on, my friend? 
Well, it's time to get you off the bench and into the game. And uh, we got a ragtag group of uh, characters on this one, which is often uh, misrepresented as the replacements, like your co-host thought when I first mentioned this to him. <laughs> so he's like, I love that movie. That movie's great. Keanu's great in that. I'm like, ah, that, that's not necessary roughness. So um, so that's why I had to have you on. So yeah, because <laughs> no, that's yeah. the way it works. <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoy this movie better than I enjoyed the replacements. <laughs> but you could definitely see a lot of similarities between that one and this one. Yeah, I think this one was uh, more slated to be a comedy as opposed to the replacements. I don't, I don't, it's not that the replacements weren't supposed to, wasn't supposed to be a comedy. I just think this one was more the rad tag craziness type comedy than the replacements. Yeah, exactly. And so I asked this pretty much for every guest though, about movies we talk about. Did you see this in the theater? I'm going to say, yes, I did. Okay. And so what, what are you an NFL fan or a college football fan? And, and do you follow it? I do, on both accounts, much more of a college football fan than I am the NFL, though. Okay, so who do you pull for college-wise? I was born and raised in Florida. When you're born and raised in Florida, <laughs> you have basically three teams that you must choose from, and that okay. is that is the Miami Hurricanes, the Florida Gators, or the Florida State Criminals, as I like to call them. <laughs> so... Uh, I am, uh, I bleed orange and blue. I am a University of Florida fighting gator. Nice, nice. Okay. And so one thing that I have a pet peeve about with sports movies is you have to kind of look like an athlete. There are so many times when you have guys that, uh, as my dad always used to say, you can tell an athlete just by the, his throwing motion. And one thing I was impressed with in this movie was Scott Bakula because he actually had a, a good throwing motion. You could tell it was him, too. How did you feel about him basically playing the, the quarterback? I think he did a great job. I agree with you. I think he uh, he portrayed um, being a old, old man quarterback, uh, a lot like, um, if you think about it, there are a lot of similarities in his character and Kevin Costner's character in Bull Durham. Very right? much. So a lot of similarities in that. And I thought they both, uh, played them, uh, spectacular. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the other character, there's great side characters in this. How did you feel about the coaches? Yeah, I think they both did a great job. Obviously we know both of those guys from many, many other movies, but, uh, uh, they came off fine. You know, they were, they kind of played it straight ahead. Although in certain places their dry humor came across and, and made me laugh. So, uh, yeah, I enjoyed both of them. So most of the th people that remember this movie, a lot for two people who actually aren't big characters. One, of course, is Rob Schneider, who does all the announcing, kind of the, yep. the fumble ruski thing. And then the supermodel at the time, Kathy Ireland. So what <laughs> what sticks out the most for you with this movie? And uh, what are your, some, of your, some of your favorite scenes from this? Uh, so there's a ton of uh, favorite scenes. But, yeah, I agree with you. So uh, help me out in remembering. Sure. Was the Rob Schneider character when he was doing the whole fumble ruski and all that other stuff, was that before or after or during his stint with Saturday Night Live when he was doing a lot of the same kind of bits? I want to say it's during. Uh, okay. This is 91. And uh, let me I can do a quick search. For Saturday Night Live. Yeah, this would have been the same same point. So, yeah. Yeah, I was just trying to remember whether those bits came from Saturday Night Live or whether they discovered him from this movie and moved some of those bits over to Saturday Night Live. That's all. Uh, 
but yeah, I mean, it was classic, you know, a lot of his bits, uh, were awesome. Him as the announcer. And again, uh, just kind of, uh, reminded me of, uh, a parallel to like Bob Euchre exactly. in major league, yes. <laughs> you know, so there's a lot of parallels, even though it's baseball and football, there are a lot of parallels to some of the other sports movies, uh, that were out and about at that time. And so I enjoyed his character. I think the whole Kathy Ireland thing, looking back on that now, how big of a thing was that? Because if you look at the underlying um, kind of message in that where, you know, girls can do anything, girls can play boys sports. Sure. And now fast forward all these years later and you have exactly that. You have girls going out for uh, boys baseball teams or boys uh, football teams, you know, in the high schools. And that's a big uh, topic of discussion. Uh you know, in society today. Right. So sure. It was funny because back then you could tell, tell they were, they were shoehorning her in because I mean, she was a huge sports illustrated swimsuit cover model. And uh, so it was definitely probably to bring in the male audience as well. But like you said, as it turned out, it's probably more ahead of its time, whether they realized it or not. And uh, another tie into major league is Scott Bakula was actually in major league three going back to the minors. <laughs> so there is a tie in with major league too. Yeah, he was. He was a coach or something, wasn't he? No, he was a pitcher because he was like an old, it was almost the same premise. He was an old pitcher who, uh, who was trying to make it again. So he was going back to the minors. That's funny. I do uh, vaguely remember that. Yeah. So, and then there are other great side characters of, that are of the time. And then one that would actually turn out to be probably more famous than anyone. And that's uh, Jason Bateman, who really has a small character, a small character role in this. And then, of course, at the time, Sinbad. Yeah, so Jason Bateman was the uh, Rudy, essentially the Rudy yeah. character of the team, right? Kind of, yeah. Uh, that's that's what I took away from it. I remember uh, watching this, uh, again, I watched this one probably less than uh, 48 hours ago, and, and he was so young in that yes. flick. And so, yeah, he came across to me as like the Rudy from Notre Dame kind of character where he kept trying, kept trying, kept getting his ass kicked. Yep. Uh, and then... Uh, one of the characters that I always enjoyed in this movie, well, there are two that stick out in my mind. I really enjoyed um, the Samoan guy, the big center. Yes. Uh, that guy was fun. And and then I enjoyed I enjoyed the uh, the karate guy, the, the sensei guy. <laughs> that guy made me laugh a little bit, too. Uh, you know, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, the football. Actually, yeah. Yeah. His uh, his nickname in the movie was Samurai. <laughs> yeah. Samurai. Yes. That guy was making me laugh when they rushed him and kicked him in the face. <laughs> yes, exactly. Which actually it reminds me of the replacements and some of that when John Favreau was kind of the psycho linebacker. Uh, yeah, a little bit different. But yeah, I, I yeah. get what you're saying with that. But yeah, I mean, there were to me, there were a lot of great characters, even even the um, uh, jarhead um crew cut uh bad football player guy on the other team the the heel with the uh, kind of split lip guy the jerk off guy yes. you know who i'm talking about yes exactly even that guy was pretty good so there were just a lot of great characters in this movie and i think that's one of the things uh they did a good job of spreading around like one-liners and things to different characters that made me appreciate the movie as a whole. It wasn't just falling on the shoulders of one or two people. 
Yeah, absolutely. And the other fun part about this one was the cameo of when they get all of the actual ex-NFL players. And some of them were actually current NFL players, uh, whether it be Jerry Rice and Earl Campbell and uh, Ed Tutal Jones. But then randomly, they throw in Evander Holyfield, who <laughs> is not a football player. So, yeah, it's, it was like a mishmash. Yeah, it was fun uh, because I'd forgotten about that scene yeah. until they rolled off the bus. And then I played a game with myself while that was going on just to see who I could name <laughs> off that bus. And and there were a couple that uh, I needed to wait till the credits because I didn't get them all. Like I got Tony Dorsett, yep. Jerry Rice. I missed the first time until oh, really? you just said that. Yeah, okay. I, I, I recognized him, but it was, you know, he was so much younger in that movie. And so I couldn't remember exactly who it was because I'm used to seeing Jerry Rice today. Right. You know, whether he's uh, uh, as a broadcaster and stuff like that. Uh, and I think Troy Aikman was in there, wasn't he? No, no. Um, so I can give you the list. And I had to get uh, Jerry Rice because I was I'm in San Francisco. I have to get the 49ers. Of course. So of course. Dick Budkiss, who actually yep. was in it was acting a lot back then, too. Uh, yep. Earl Campbell, the famous running back for the Oilers. Roger Craig was the running back for the Niners. Uh, ben Davidson, who used to play for the Raiders. Uh, you mentioned Tony Dorsett. Uh, Ed Tutal Jones from the Cowboys. Uh, Jim Kelly, the quarterback for the Bills. Uh, Herschel Walker, uh, the running back for the Cowboys and the Vikings. And then Randy White, who was uh, a defensive uh, lineman for the for the Cowboys. Yeah, well, and you missed you missed one. Who's the old uh, the old white guy with the bushy uh, mustache? That's, that ben, that's Ben Davidson. Okay, that's he. Yeah, right. He was an old old time football player. Yeah, he played like in the sixties, seventies with the the old Raiders. Right, 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 right. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, no, but that was fun because then eventually there's like a, kind of a fun plot point where they show up to the last game and they're actually rooting for the, <laughs> for the guy. Right. So does this movie still hold up for you? Would you still go back and watch it? And uh, yeah, what, what do you think about it? Yeah. So where I think movies like this hold up as opposed to, say, a horror film or something like that is that for me personally, I never get tired of the one liners. <laughs> right. I, I love all the different quotes. And so, yeah, 100 percent when I watch this, you know, again, 48 hours ago, uh, it still holds up for me. It's still just fun. And yeah, I just, I always get a chuckle, especially if I haven't seen it for a while, I always get a chuckle out of these, these flicks. So yeah, it's just one of those movies that whether it's on TV or HBO or Netflix or whatever, it kind of sucks you in and you just kind of keep watching it. So yeah, a hundred percent. And that's why we do this podcast is to, you know, kind of bring back these movies that you might've missed in the beginning or you might've loved. And then you just totally forgot about them because that's, that's the way it goes with uh, time and, and everything's get you know, other things get involved in your life. Yeah. So one character that uh, is going to tie into an episode that you and I are going to do in the future is Larry Miller, who plays the Dean of the college. And he basically plays the Dean in the college of the nutty professor. Yeah, that right. That's right. That guy is always kind of a jerk too, and yes. whatever he is. So he's a, he's another uh, kind of typecast char character in a lot of the movies, and uh, uh, this was no different than uh, anything else he's done. Yeah, he's just a, a jerky guy. <laughs> yeah, which is funny because he, he's uh, actually he's a stand-up comedian. So there you go. There you go. Well, the one thing that uh, your podcast does. Uh, for me, which is a lot like what music podcast and grown up rock has done for me. It's, it's made me 
um, appreciate the art of movies and uh, really enjoy going back and reliving some of these memories with movies, much like I do with music mm-hmm. and discovering new movies, but discovering new music. So it kind of goes hand in hand. And I appreciate you having me on your show, buddy. Oh, that's awesome. And thank you so much. And and that's I think that's why you and I do it. I mean, we're doing it for the love of the art and uh, you guys do it for music and, and I do it for, for movies. But it's all the same because it's something that we all grew up with, just like you know, the the title of your podcast. And uh, we're trying to not only give nostalgia for people our age, but also introduce, you know, younger people into this as well. Absolutely. Great job. Thank you so much. We'll have you on soon. See you, Bron. All right. We're back with one of our regular guests. It's, of course, Sonny Pooney from the Growing Up Rock podcast and Podcast Rock City. It's great to have you back, Sonny. Uh, good to be back. Uh, this this movie's an interesting one, that's for sure. <laughs> well, when I first mentioned this to you, you had said, oh, yeah, the one with Keanu Reeves. And I was like, yeah, no, but it's very similar. <laughs> and uh, I think it is. So when you did you first see this in the theater or was this on TV or where did you see Necessary Roughness for the first time? Uh, definite rental. This, okay. You know, and then I see it on cable every once in a while, probably about twice a year. But I love football. I love the NFL. I'm not much of a college guy, but mm-hmm. I love the NFL. So these type of movies that, and I played football. So these type of movies that kind of revolve around the game, uh, seem to, especially comedies seem to, uh, connect with me pretty good. So when did you play football? Uh, high school. High school. Nice. What, yeah. what was your position? Uh, yeah, I was second string quarterback. I was not that good. <laughs> hey, that's better than third string. So there you go. Uh, we didn't have one. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd <have> been it. <laughs> See, back then, like, I don't. I, did you guys have to play like both offense and defense, or did you guys do that or anything? No, dude, Mount Abla High School's not doing Iron Man football. You crazy? <laughs> well, one of the great scenes. We'll get right into the movie. One of the great scenes is when they uh they go pl- the college team goes to play a bunch of uh, felons in in prison, and they're all ex football players so uh that was a real fun scene to see like dick buckus and and roger craig and and uh ed two tall jones yeah it was weird that evander holyfield was part of yeah and then the other thing looking at whether the movie holds up or not that's the part of the movie that today my son would be like who are those people right even jerry rice i'm not sure he would know no not he wouldn't and he grew up in the bay area and he wouldn't know jerry rice right because he was done my son was born in 2000 so jerry rice is way done by then well, that's the thing. I mean, with the exception, of, if you do any of these movies, I think even now there's a certain generation, if they watch Space Jam, they wouldn't know who Michael Jordan is. Uh, same, yeah, exactly. And even when the movie came out, the guy who said uh, computer fraud, that's Ben Davidson, right? Right, exactly. I didn't know who he was. Yeah. He was before our generation. That's right. That's my that's my dad's generation, the old Oakland Raiders guy. But even then, like, uh, you know, Ed Tuttle Jones and Randy White, those are all guys from the 70s, you know. So I, I knew that just because I love the history of football. But, yeah, you're right. That's It's going to be lost on people. So people watching it today are going to just think, oh, these guys are probably really felons. So. Yeah, and I remember being incredibly proud that there was four Dallas Cowboys there because I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. So uh-huh. I'm like, look at that, even in the movies, baby. America's okay. team. Now I got to ask that you grew up in the Bay area. How did you become a Dallas Cowboys fan? Yeah. So born in uh, near Cleveland. Okay. Uh, moved out to San Francisco in early 80. Okay. And so when we were in Cleveland, Cleveland was never on TV. And then when we were in San Francisco, they weren't quite selling out every time. So mm-hmm. it was not always on TV. So America's team was always on TV. Right. Right. So the star on the helmets, what got me, and then when I saw that they were the nemesis of the <laughs> Niners, oh, I was in 100%. 
anything against the Niners. They're my second hated team. Well, it was nice talking to you, Sonny. So we're gonna. <laughs> no. All right, we'll be hanging up now. <laughs> That's okay. As long as you don't like the Dodgers in baseball. No, I'm a Giants fan. Okay, there we go. We can. We, there is compromise there. So looking back at this, we'll get into the cast a little bit. How did you feel about Scott Bakula playing the quarterback? Uh, I thought he did a great job. Honestly, he does some great acting in this movie. Kind of a spoof comedy type thing. Does a great job acting. And they straight up made him the Marlboro Man. Oh, The yeah. way they were presenting him at the beginning. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, I thought well, that absolutely. was odd. But uh, he was a great... I thought he played the part uh, excellent and... For a 34-year-old quarterback to come back 16 years afterwards, I mean, it's a real feel-good story. Yeah, and one thing I, I liked about his characters, you know, often you see guys that they, they can't really throw or whatnot. They're just there for their acting ability, and then the sports is kind of secondary. You could tell that he could actually throw a football, which to me made it a little bit more authentic. Yeah, that always bugs me, right? Like you'll have a musician, supposed musician up there, and mm -hmm. then they're holding the guitar wrong. Right. Right. Or or a supposed drummer and they're not even hitting the drums like that. That really bugs me. So when they whether they learn it for the three months that they're out there trying to you know practice or whatever or whether they know it. Um, yeah, I think it adds to the movie. Yeah, definitely. And that's why I think like Sinbad was fun because he actually looks like a big guy. I mean, whether or not he could play football or not, he, he worked for that that kind of comic relief. Plus, he looked like he'd be on the team. Yeah, I thought he did a good job with the comic relief, right? It wasn't yeah. overdone. It was totally within what he does, right? That whole party and the little <laughs> dance thing. That's totally him on stage, too. Oh, totally. And then getting um, the Samoan guy. Manumana. Uh, Manumana, yes, that's right, that's right. So he's great, too, because he's kind of comic relief as well, and he definitely was not an actor, as I found out from this, doing a little research, but he does well in that part, and it's perfect for the yin and yang with him and Kathy Ireland. Yeah, definitely it is, and uh, I, I realized while I was watching the movie again about a week ago, Fumbalaya, Fumbaruski, like, <laughs> yes. that has stuck with me. We... Uh, we'll be watching football with my friends. It's like, Fumbalaya, Fumbaruski, Fumbaruski. I mean, we still do it. Yeah. And I totally forgot it came from this movie. That's right. And Rob Schneider, who is also a Bay Area guy, he's from Pacifica. Uh, he's a huge sports fan as well. I think he's almost, he took kind of the Bob Uecker uh, from Major League stance, kind of going the, the funny announcer wrote on, on that. Yeah, he did a good job with it for sure. And you could tell that he was also trying to be, he was part fan. So it bugged him when things weren't going well, which... Euchre, you can't ever tell if he's an actual fan or not. Oh, yeah, but that's the great part about Euchre. I don't necessarily, he doesn't necessarily call a great game anymore, but the stories is what you, you want to listen to him for that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Two people in the film that I didn't, obviously the Kathy Ireland thing, talk about dated. I mean, she's great to look at, but the, the only reason she's in that film is because she was like one of the hottest, you know, swimsuit models at the time. And so you could tell she's never kicked a football before. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Jason Bateman, who actually wasn't really Jason Bateman then, you know, they was, he was still pretty much a kid. So that, those were kind of two interesting, you know, actors to see in, in the film. Yeah. Out of this group. Uh, I would say Jason Bateman is the guy that I've seen the most movies, have enjoyed the most movies. Like even Bakula, Back, uh, Major League Back to the Minors was a good movie. I like that. Quantum, Quantum Leap was okay. Yep. But other stuff he's done, I have not really been interested. Yeah, which is interesting. And then actually, my favorite character is the assistant coach, uh, Robert Loggia. Uh, Rick. Always, yes, because yeah. he's just losing it. He's perfect in that kind of the side character. Yeah, he was good in. Remember Holy Man? I used yes. to. I love that movie too. I he's 
Robert was my favorite character in this movie, for sure, because you want that crazy defensive line coach that's always yelling and screaming. Like even on real NFL, just just watching Wade Phillips there yes. with like <laughs> this emotionless face is just hard to watch. It is. It is. And so a lot of people know Robert Lugia for um, in the movie Big, the one scene where they're at that FAA Schwartz where him and Tom Hanks are playing the piano, you know, the giant piano with their feet. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good part, too. And yeah. uh, he was in Armed and Dangerous, right? That's right. With John that's right. Candy, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's, oh, that's a hey, good good reference. We I have that in my collection, so I'll write you down for that one, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I like that movie. And then, of course, uh, Hector Alonso. Uh, I always have a tough time saying it. Elizondo, I think, is, is his last name. But, of course, he's famous for being in Pretty Woman as well. So it was kind of interesting to see him play the head coach. Yeah, it was interesting. That wasn't the movie that came to my mind first when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. I, uh, or when I just saw it a week ago. I remember saying, oh, wait a second. That's the guy from Beverly Hills Cop 3. Oh, that's true. <laughs> right. And for stuff. some reason, that's the one that connected. And then I'm like, I think he was in like those private resort type movies like those. They were um, kind of raunchy, I guess, teenage type movies. Yeah. But he really was, I think, zombies. just making like maybe, you know, a line here, line there or the dad of somebody or something. Yeah, he was in like the Flamingo Kid, Private Resort. Yeah. Movies like that. But always a side character. And he was a lot on TV. He was on TV a lot, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So watching this again, uh, does it hold up for you? And is it, you know, something that you would go back to? Or, or And what are the other football movies that really resonate with you? It doesn't have to be just comedy, but any football movie. Well, first of all, it holds up, you know, except for, you know, some of the characters like the, the football players from the jail. Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to be what it is. There's not going to be any stamp in time where that doesn't work out, right? Mm-hmm. Um. For football movies, man, I like a lot of them. Uh, uh, Any Given Sunday is probably the top one. Mm-hmm. I really like Rudy. Um, I forgot which one was the one about uh, the Phila- Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Dick um, I oh, from with, the 80s. Yeah, with Mark Vermeil. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. That yeah, was yeah. a good movie, too. Um, so I enjoy those movies. My only criticism of this movie, and I, I watch it anytime it comes on cable, so mm-hmm. I, I still watch it, but... The movie jumps a little from the bar fight to him mm-hmm. going to Suzanne's house because I'm like, okay, Suzanne had no interest in you. So how the hell do you know where she lives? Like this is almost like he was going to an ex-girlfriend that had broke up kind of thing to look for sympathy. And that had not been set up in the movie. So it jumps quite a bit. That's a great point. Yeah, they took some creative license with that, I, I think. And uh, that happens in movies a lot, especially comedies, because I think it's almost like, yeah, the plot's a little bit secondary. We can kind of jump around. Nobody's going to notice uh, type of thing. But, yeah, I agree. That was kind of weird. Uh, were there any other scenes that really stuck out for you? Uh, the up yours, Phil. Oh, she called me Phil. Um, <laughs> uh, the bar fight was great. Uh, I love the trick play. Um, welcome to football. Oh, what about the... If I wanted a big brother, I wouldn't have killed mine. That's that's a pretty good one. Right. <laughs> um, or show me the arm, and then he poses. Yeah. It's like, can you throw the football, please? You know. Um, the other th- thing I thought was weird. Wally referenced Edward Scissorhands in the movie. That had only come out nine months before this movie. Uh, I know. That's a hey, a good call. Good call. That's uh, yeah. That's true. Maybe he saw a pre-screener. Maybe he was in the movie. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, but I thought that was odd. I'm like, I had to go back and go, wait a second, when would this movie come out? And when did Scissorhands come out? That's a little close. Exactly. The other interesting character was Larry Miller, who played the Dean. And what's funny is, uh, 
your your partner Stephen and I talked about the Nutty Professor, which will be coming out, uh, and if probably either it just came out or it's coming out. So again, I, I recorded these all in different times. Uh, but he also played a dean in the Nutty Professor, the remake with Eddie, Eddie Murphy. So it was like he was pit, he was typecasted into those type of roles where he just kind of plays the asshole dean. Yeah, his personality and his um, delivery is unique. Yeah, because it's very professional, very stoic. Um, very Mr. This, Mrs. That, uh, he's not exactly, you know, uh, the good looking super duper guy, but he's always interested in the female. Like there's, yeah, it's basically, I guess it is a typecast part, but he plays it well. So who cares? Right. Yeah, exactly. And he was a stand-up comedian or he still is a stand-up comedian. So it's funny how, uh, yeah, he got put into those. Yeah. He was, he was the father in, uh, 10 things I hate about you. Yeah. Um, so it's funny. He does kind of play that you like him, but you don't like him <laughs> sort of thing. Like, yeah, it's funny how, the, how he's kind of melded into that role. Um, did you ever see the original Longest Yard with Burt Reynolds? I did. I, that's I thought that was be, good. Yeah, that's in my top. Now, you've seen oh, the, yeah. uh, North Dallas 40. North Dallas 40 with Nick that's Nolte. That's a good one, too. Yeah. yeah, really, really good. For me, I think baseball movies still hold up the best because there's a certain poetic charm to them. It's, it's sometimes tough to make uh, a great football and basketball movie. Uh, how did you feel the difference between necessary roughness and let's say the replacements? It seems like there were a lot of similarities in that one. I, uh, I think I like the replacements a little bit better. Uh, the storyline, I think I like a little bit better. Um, mm-hmm. cause I remember the strike season and all that kind of sure. stuff. So, uh, and you know, having Hackman doesn't hurt right? and having Quino Reeves doesn't hurt either. I thought this one had some unique, uh, storylines too. that whole thing about, you know, Carter's ex-boyfriend was a high school football star, but Blake humiliates him by killing him in the championship game. Right. And then she kind of gets uh, almost falls in love with Blake or at least gets interested or whatever. That's unique. You don't mm-hmm. usually see something like that. But I, I would say that if I had to choose between the two replacements, I probably like better. And I do agree with the baseball movies holding up a little better because they're not as violent and break the huddle and set up and – and I think baseball people understand it more than they do yeah. football. And there's a history to it. Not that not to say that football hasn't been around for a long time, but I, I think people really started to follow football, I think, in the sixties when television started to happen. Where baseball always seemed to be in the, you know, the American culture, you know, for almost over a hundred years. Yeah, and there's all it always seems like there's more drama in baseball because the score is always so close and one mm-hmm. swing can always tie it, but where if the Ravens are killing you by twenty one, like you got a long ways to go. That's right. right. But if you happen to be losing five to nothing in the baseball game, that's not really that long to go. That and baseball is the only sport where you can't run out the clock. You still have to get every single out and and, uh, no other sports like that. Yeah, I don't like that whole run out the clock thing. No, me neither. That strikes a nerve with me for sure. Yeah, you're like stalling, you know, especially way back when in basketball when there was no shot clock. Like in college, it was like, you know, you could have games that were, you know, 10 to 5 or something like that. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So if you had some really good dribblers. uh, So anyway, this has been great. Thank you so much, Sonny. And I know you're going to be back on soon. Thanks a lot. This is Stephen Michael from the Growing Up Rock Podcast. If you're like me and my co-host, Sonny Hollywood Pooney, you grew up loving hard rock and metal music. Check out our podcast where we talk to bands and artists that help create the soundtrack to our lives, along with playing some killer new and old deep tracks of kick-ass guitar-driven rock and roll. 
Find us wherever you find your podcast to listen to. That's the Growing Up Rock Podcast. G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K. And feel free to hit us up at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Growing Up Rock. So sit back and crank it up. Hey, this is Brian Davis, and you might know me from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. And now, get ready for the Bad Beat Show on ThatMetalStation.com from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern every Wednesday night. I'm going to play some kick-ass hard rock inspired by the blues, because after all, the foundation of all things rock and metal is, of course, the blues. So join me every Wednesday night for the Bad Beat, because even when you lose, you still win. We are officially on Spotify now, so if you don't use iTunes, if you don't use the Podbean app, you can go to Spotify and get all of our past episodes. You can stream it on there, so if you're a Spotify user, you can go find Damn Good Movie (laughs) I can't even say my own podcast. Damn Good Movie Memories. Yes, I know what I'm talking about. I'm the host, right? Okay, so go to Spotify, look for Damn Good Movie Memories. You can stream all of that stuff, and yeah, so if you don't want to use iTunes, you don't want to use Podbean, you can use Spotify as well. All right, before we sign off, we do have t-shirts are available for sale. All you have to do is go to tpublic, that's T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C.com, and you can get your very own Damn Good Movie Memories t-shirt. You can get all sizes, any gender, you can get whatever you want just at the tip of your fingers. So just go to tpublic.com, look up Damn Good Movie Memories, and you can get your very own t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast and are an iTunes user, please do the show a favor and head on over to the official iTunes page for Damn Good Movie Memories. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. This will allow the show to appear higher in the algorithm and spread the joy of this podcast to the masses. If you are not an iTunes user, you can still listen and subscribe on Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook under our Damn Good Movie Memories page. You can also listen to a limited number of episodes on YouTube. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and be sure to tune in next week for an all new episode of Damn Good Movie Memories. I am Dr. Fuck. And I'm the actual alcoholic. And we are part of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. We are the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. That's right. And the way you can check us out is we are on iTunes and also Podbeam. And we forgot a review recently. I got this review right here. It says right here, it says, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast is the greatest podcast in the world. And it's my number one podcast signed by Science. Now, and then Science also says... Science! Science also said... My second favorite podcast is It Doesn't Matter, The Rest Suck. Rock and Metal Combat Podcast on iTunes and Poppy. Check it out. Science! Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault on Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes.
Spreaker. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs>